everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half is uh, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing well. Uh, we are in full swing. It's May. It's baseball season, and uh, I am enjoying life. Not A's fan, clearly. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I still have a soft spot for the A's. I haven't worked in the organization for three years, but uh, it's been a little rough for A's fans. I agree. We're not even going to talk about it this week. We're just okay. going to move on. Yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it here. Let's uh, do our usual. It's a day game for us here. We're recording on a Monday afternoon, but we're still going to take BP. Those teams that don't take BP for day games, they're crazy. They crazy. Are. All right, let's get right into it here. Uh, first of all, we get to start with Ricky Henderson. We don't. I, I feel like we don't mention Ricky Henderson enough on this podcast. No, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, somebody, uh, I think it was our friend Mitch, sent us a, a screenshot of a, of a baseball uh, Jeopardy question, which was funny because I just saw a Jeopardy thing and I assumed it was going to be what I had seen and, and wanted to talk about here. But it was something different, by the way. They're just going baseball crazy on Jeopardy. But there was a Ricky Henderson question on Jeopardy last week. Very nice. Yeah, so the question, well, the answer was, born in 1958, baseball legend Ricky Henderson was named after this teen idol pop singer of the day. Nice. Who would it be after? Who who, who would it be? I'm guessing Ricky Nelson. Oh, very good. Yeah. I I, I didn't see the show either. I mean, I, I know that just because I know Ricky Henderson, but I couldn't tell you anything about Ricky Nelson. Other than he was a singer. Party song. I mean, I've seen uh, Ricky's full name. A lot of times I see a Nelson in there. Hmm. Uh, I also see a, a Lee and a Henley, I, which Henley, I think, was his father's name. There's a lot of names in there. Nelson, I see in there. Sometimes I see a Ricky Lee Henley Nelson. Hmm. And no kidding. Yeah. So there you go. Congratulations, though. I was going to wait and see if I was going to give you a little bit of time, but you did it. Well, some things are in the forefront of my mind, and apparently Ricky Nelson is. I don't know why. Only the important stuff. Just just every episode of the Brady Bunch in Gilligan's Island. Well, speaking of Ricky Henderson, of course, Ricky was a left-handed thrower, right-handed batter, which there are not a lot of them. There are not. uh, Throughout the history, let alone now. But uh, obviously, Ricky is, I think, the best-known left-thrower, right-handed batter. I got another one for you, though. That I oh, yeah. never knew about. Okay. Eddie Goodell. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So the little person that Bill Vex set to the plate was actually a lefty, but he batted right-handed because his favorite player was Joe DiMaggio and he wanted to emulate him. Nice. So uh, you probably bought a Mr. Coffee as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So just another one to add to the list of uh, famous left-handed uh, throwers, right-handed batter. So, uh, congratulations once again to Eddie Goodell. Uh, let's see. I got a a, uh, a game of interest of note that I want to talk about from 1911. Okay. Uh, this game took place on May 13th, so we're coming up on the uh, on the anniversary of that. Uh, May 13th, 1911. Our buddy Fred Merkel had an inside the park home run, six RBI, and a stolen base. That's nice. pretty, pretty good, right? Right. What if I told you that was in the first inning? 
Yes. The New York Giants defeated the St. Louis Cardinals on this day, 19 to 5. They scored 13 runs in the bottom of the first inning and three to boot in the bottom of the second inning to take a commanding 16 to nothing lead where they then cruised to victory, as you can uh, as you can imagine. Man, that's a rough first inning for the opposition. Yeah, it's kind of weird because on the mound for the Giants this game was Christy Matheson. Matthewson. I, I want to make sure I pronounce that pronounce that correctly. He only pitched one inning. He started the game, pitched one inning, and got the win. Okay, the rules must have been different. Oh, okay. I see here. I see. So uh, this game was rescheduled from an earlier game at the Polo Grounds where the Polo Grounds caught fire during the game. So I'm going to guess what happened. Kind of like the uh, kind of like Fulton County Stadium when uh, Fred McGriff got traded to Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to guess that they played this inning or part of the first inning. Christy, you know, obviously left with a big lead after the first inning. Sure. <laughs> then yeah. Rube Marquardt came in. Uh, got accredited for a save, an eight-inning save. He went all eight the rest of the game, gave it 12 hits, five runs, struck out 14, and got the save. That may have been the only eight-inning save in, in the history of baseball. I would be willing to bet that that has set a record for most hits given up in a save and most strikeouts in a save. I bet you're right. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a weird game, though, to uh, score 13 have six, you imagine you got six RBI after the first inning. All right, so the Library of Congress recently digitized a bunch of old baseball books and guides and put them online. I was looking through the 1922 Spalding Baseball Guide, which we've talked about this annual guide quite a bit. I was looking through the evolution of rules through 1922 in one of the appendixes. I know we've talked about rule changes a lot through history, but in 1858, it specifically says that the base runner is not required to touch the bases in any order. (laughs) I am very curious to know if anybody ever actually went to second first. That would be, yeah, you'd have to get out of the baseline for that. Yeah, I wonder if that was a rule about, you know, maintaining your baseline. Because if you are theoretically allowed to go, you know, in any order, yeah, you would kind of have to get out of the baseline, wouldn't you? Unless you went from third, second, first. Right. I mean, I guess technically then you're still out of the traditional order. but Well, finally, a right-handed batter is facing the right way to get somewhere to yeah. third base. I, did anybody ever touch home first? <laughs> like so run scored <laughs> i don't have to hit those other bases before i hit this one first so i have a feeling in. they had a rule against yeah that. i'm That's guessing they feeling yeah. i'm guessing i didn't just find the cheat code a <laughs> hundred years later yeah a hundred years later uh so much good stuff in these books though for instance did you know that in 1896 john anderson of washington became the first major league player to steal second base while a teammate actually occupied second base <laughs> oh nice <laughs> this a lot of this book is basically uh, records and and jason stark stories from the athletic i mean there are some weird stuff in here there's even a list of immaculate innings pitched oh, wow. in the previous season of 1919 Wow. I also said that the first immaculate inning, of course it wasn't 
called an immaculate inning at that point, was thrown by John Clarkson of the Boston Bean Eaters against the Philadelphia Quakers on June 4th, 1889. Wow, it first recorded whatever, what did you call it? The immaculate inning. Yeah, the immaculate inning. So nine pitches to uh, strike out the side. Obviously, like I said, didn't call it the immaculate inning, but they made note of it knowing that it was an uncommon occurrence. Yeah. So as far as we know, 1889 is the first immaculate inning in baseball history. For something that like nobody had ever heard of until like five years ago. Right. (laughs) (laughs) At least it wasn't popular in the baseball lexicon, I guess. Right. Uh, We're having a bit of a renaissance, I think, in uh, batter and pitcher walk-up music, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I have uh, been very pleasantly surprised at some of the music that I hear as people are taking the mound or walking up to the plate. First of all, we got two guys, a pitcher and a uh, a position player, using Welcome to the Jungle. Nice. I love Guns N' Roses. It's a a great entry for anything like that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, So Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles and Craig Kimbrell who I think he's with the Phillies this year. Uh, They use that as they uh, come out into the game. Also, this one is a great one. Kyle Schwarber, also of the the Phillies. Cult of Personality by Living Color. Oh, man. What a classic. Man, I I remember, I listened to that song. Uh, It was the summer, I think, of I had my very first job at a burger joint. I listened to that song basically all day, every day. Love that song. Yeah, this is a great song. I, I remember I even had a uh, Living Color t-shirt that said Cults of Personality on it. Oh, nice. So that's a cool one. Also, I heard uh, closer for the Tigers, Alex Lang, came into Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. Oh, that's another good intro. So I, I'm just enjoying the 80s rock that people are using. So, Definitely. I mean, none of these guys were alive at that point, but we were. Yes, yeah, that's great stuff, man. I mean, each one of those has a cool little intro to the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's perfect. Much better than Ben Gamble's country uh, walk oh, from a couple of years ago. I don't even want to think about that song. All right, uh, so this show is debuting on May 10th, so we got a couple of debuts from May 10th. First of all, 1964, Steve Blass made his debut today, made that for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who he played for for all 10 years of his career. Uh, won one World Series, 1971, with the Bucks, also an all-star once. Was really a good pitcher for about seven or eight years in the late 60s, early 70s. And then all of a sudden he lost it. He, he, he was kind of the first person to get that, the yips that, everybody knew about. So he's kind of the pitcher version of Steve Sachs. Gotcha. Uh, so looking at some of these numbers, at 1972, he was an all-star for the Pirates. Went 19-8 and eight with a 2.49 ERA. And then the next year, 3-9 and nine with a 9.85 ERA. Wow, not quite the same. Yeah, he just completely lost it. Led the league in hit batters. With 12 in only 88 innings, he just, it was, it was a garage sale out there. He could not tell where it was going, which is, you know, if you're a infielder, it's one thing, but if you're a pitcher and you've got yeah. to throw to a small target that is a strike zone, 
Yeah, definitely. Just couldn't do it. Blast remains the last pitcher, however, in baseball history to throw a complete game during a World Series Game 7. He did that against the Orioles in the aforementioned 1971 series. Blast earned two complete game wins in that series, allowing only seven hits and two runs over 18 innings. And then two years later, couldn't roll it up to the plate. That's just crazy. Blast gave the eulogy at Roberto Clemente's wake in Puerto Rico. They were teammates. Because of the yips, Blast has been name-checked in a bunch of different uh, movies and TV, including an episode of House, Northern Exposure. Man, that's going back a ways. And some show called Prison Playbook, which I have no idea what that is. I was probably in that, and I don't remember. Probably a lot of homeless in that, so yeah. Yeah, See? It's perfect for me. Uh, by the way, remember last week when we talked about uh, prisoners playing baseball in Wyoming and I talked about that one guy named Parrot who, as far as I could tell, was not related to Jeff Parrot? Yes. So he was the guy who they made shoes out of his skin after they hung him. Right. Well, apparently they also made an ashtray out of his skull. Oh, goodness gracious. Doesn't sound like the kind of people you really want to be the first to fall asleep around at like a sleepover or something. Jeez, yeah, it could be dangerous if someone needed a coin purse. Yeah, I don't know why I chose to attach that to the Steve Blast, probably because of prison playbook, so jail. <laughs> that that was my train of thought, obviously. Uh, let's see, also making his debut today in 1982, Willie McGee, one of, uh, one of our favorites. McGee hit a National League leading 353 in 1985, which was at that point a new National League record for highest batting average by a switch hitter, which had since been broken by Chipper Jones, who hit for 364 in 2008. Of course, 1984, the Willie McGee game that wasn't because it ended up being the Sandberg game. But yes. uh, just a great, uh, incredible game by Willie McGee, just to be uh, overshadowed a bit by Rhino going nuts. 51 was the number that Willie McGee wore. And it's such an odd number to have a bunch of really good players having worn number 51. No kidding. Yeah. So think about it. Besides McGee, you've got two Mariners. you got Randy Johnson and, and Ichiro. Yeah. Trevor Hoffman, another Hall of Famer, wore number 51. Bernie Williams who is not a Hall of Famer, but I think they retired his number uh, because that's what the Yankees do. And, of course, we can't forget Heathcliff Slocum. Oh, man, how could you possibly forget Heathcliff? I mean, they kind of, those names all kind of just go one after another. Slocum if you got them. Yep. And then finally, in 1994, making his debut, he only appeared in eight games. Do you remember pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, Gar Finvold? Sounds familiar. I couldn't tell you what he's known for, though. Yeah, I know. That's exactly what I I saw that name. And I'm like, oh, wow, I remember that name. Uh, Currently, though, Gar sells real estate in Delray Beach, Florida, where he, quote, handles luxury residents and condos in all price ranges in East Delray Beach, Boca Raton and other South Palm Beach County communities. So if you're looking for any real estate in the Florida Delray Beach region, make sure to reach out to Gar Finvold and tell him to strike noise sent you. Yeah, tell Gar hi for us and um, don't be afraid to send us if he's got any good deals going on. All right, so that's going to do it for our debuts for May 10th, the day that this show is debuting. That is going to wrap up our pregame. 
segment, though, our BP segment. So uh, Grounds Crew is out doing their stuff. And uh, Mark, you and I, let's pr- pretend that we're uh, on opposite teams. We're on the foul lines and we're, we're having a standoff. The anthem's over. <laughs> we're still standing out there. Who's going to blink first? That's become popular now. I've seen it done a couple times. Yeah, well, I think it just happened uh, on Sunday. I think it, it did. happened. Yeah. yeah. It's your story, so you're going to have to go first this week, so I win. Okay, that's fine. I wanted to talk about, and this is a, this was a tough one to take on because there's so much info, uh, the Gas House Gang. I was uh, requested to do a story on the Gas House Gang about episode seven or eight. Only a couple hundred episodes late. <laughs> this better be good. You've had <laughs> a long time. This is episode 212. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over things in a general sense and then talk about some of the players. So they were a unique baseball team. I would say they captured the imagination of America during the 1930s. They were known for their aggressive and unorthodox style of play fan favorites. And of course they have a place in baseball lore, which is what we're going to talk about. The gas house gang was formed in the mid 1930s. A group of young players from St. Louis Cardinals came together to create a team that would play with a unique aggressive style. They were known for their rough and tumble approach to the game, as well as their penchant for playing pranks on their opponents and the umpires. Of course, we're talking about Dizzy Dean, uh, known for his flamboyant personality and uh, just his flamboyant fastball. Um, He was kind of the heart and soul of the team. They also had guys like Pepper Martin, who I want to do a whole story on after reading about him. Third baseman, Leo DeRocher, catcher Mickey Owens, and the great hitter, Ducky Medwick. So lots of good and... uh, personable ball players. You've got a ducky, a dizzy, and the lip. That's right. So and was Dazzy there too? Wrong? Was Dazzy there as well? Uh, yeah, Dazzy Vance played for the Cardinals in 1933 at the age of uh, 42. He played in 34 a little bit for them. He only went one and one with 59 innings pitched. I'm not sure what happened, but uh, he only played in 19 games that year. And it doesn't look like he had terrible stats, but uh, he went on to play for Brooklyn the very next season. So, But he had a dizzy and a dazzy, which is pretty impressive. Of course, they were known, like I said, for aggressive play and their uh, very flamboyant, or we should say colorful personalities. Um, and this all took place during the time of the Great Depression. So America was really looking for heroes. They're looking for any form of entertainment, something that could take their mind off of what was going on in the country. The Gas House Gang was there to oblige uh, 34 was the big year for the gas house gang. That's when they beat the tigers in the world series. So a seven game championship. It was quite a year for everybody involved, you know, and it's funny because the, the gas house gang is still it, such a legacy. They have this hard nosed, had this hard nosed play and, uh, we're, they were always willing to try and take the extra base, super aggressive, kind of like baseball, like you and I like stolen bases and so on. The the name, the gas house gang, uh, actually, came from there was a district in new york called the gas house district and it had it stored a lot of people stored gas there large gas tanks and it didn't smell really well and one area or one paper i read said that the neighborhood was filled with drunks and unruly of people along with plenty of vagrants the new york sports writers named them the gas house gang because they weren't known for cleaning their uniforms all that much uh, they didn't Always smell the best. Some didn't bathe. Uh, They all chewed tobacco and, you know, how dirty that can be. And uh, so they were just seen as these these vagrant weirdo baseball players. The New York 
uh, sports writers named them the Gas House Gang. It was supposed to be something that was an insult, but they just took heart to it, and they they rather enjoyed it. So they went with the Gas House Gang, and I love it. I'm glad they did. Let's talk about some of the personalities on the gang. I love Leo DeRocher because he's a quote machine. You know how I, I do with a lot of quotes. I, I love good quotes. Uh, Leo was a third baseman. He was known for arguing with the umpires and having a fiery temper. Leo said uh, once, I never questioned the integrity of an umpire. Their eyesight, yes. So I, I really like that. A couple more Leo quotes that I, of course, he said, show me a good loser and I'll show you an idiot, which is something I like to, <laughs> I like to live for. Um, another one, great one. God watches over drunks and third baseman. And sometimes it's a combo. Uh, of course, nice guys finish last. That's a Leo DeRocher statement. He said, uh, if you don't win, you're going to be fired. If you do win, you've only put off the day you're going to be fired. So classic summer, summary of uh, a ball player's life right there. Pepper Martin. Pepper Martin was super aggressive um, and super defensively and total fan favorite. He said it said he had a unique batting style and that he would hold the bat really low behind him and then take the biggest cut the hardest swing you could possibly imagine. And uh, that just endeared him to people because he would hit the ball really hard when he did hit it. That was another interesting Pepper Martin. I want to do a whole show on because there's a lot of interesting stuff. So I stayed away from too much detail about him because I, I really want to talk about him as an interesting character. He was perfect for the gas house. game. Let's talk about Ducky Medwick. This guy, 1937, he won the triple crown with uh, hitting 374, 31 home runs, 154 RBIs. That was the last time somebody won the Triple Crown in the National League, 1937. Uh, another interesting thing about Ducky, in 1934, he had the same amount of triples as he had home runs with 18. Wow. Another 18 triple year. Not a stolen base guy, but still quick, known for defense and so on. He and Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, they were they were um, super popular. Even people outside of St. Louis loved them, but uh, St. Louis really loved them, and they were just part of the part of the family. Uh, they had a reputation for being pretty rowdy, but they were also known for their sense of humor and playful antics. They were known for pl- practical jokes and their lighthearted approach to the game. And they brought a sense of fun to the ballpark that was not always present in other teams. Now let's talk about Dizzy a little bit. Dizzy had uh, just as many great quotes as anybody else. His pregame ritual is something that's pretty funny about. He used to walk around the field talking to himself and and just muttering under his breath. He would do this for a long time. And uh, somebody finally asked him what he was doing. He replied, I'm just trying to figure out who I'm going to strike out today. So another interesting approach to the field. Um, Practical jokes. He once snuck into the opposing team's locker room and filled their shoes with shaving cream. Now, that's a joke. That's something I would love to pull off, even though I don't have enough shaving cream to try it today. I might put some in my wife's shoes just to see how she reacts. You do that. I, uh, thought, I thought you were going to say you like brought a, a herd of cattle into the visiting uh, clubhouse <laughs> or something. Yeah. No, well, you never know with Dizzy. He would, he would do almost anything. Natural comedian, a quick wit, and so on. Dizzy's career was cut short by uh, a pretty awful injury. Uh, it actually happened in 37 All-Star game. And he was hit in the toe by a line drive, and it messed his toe up and his foot up so bad, he actually had to adjust his pitching motion. And you know as well as I do, that's just not an easy thing to do. And his career ended just a little bit later, not a little bit after that. 
but uh, he still remains a beloved figure in the world of baseball and in St. Louis. They, this this team was uh, a bunch of personalities that all got together and, and ended up uh, making an amazing team. So in summary, the Gas House Gang is remembered as one of the most iconic teams in the history of baseball. They're a group of misfits and outcasts who came together to form a team that was greater than the sum of its parts. I, I really liked that. I, I wrote that myself, and I was very proud of it. Yeah, presenting for your uh, consideration. For your consideration, <laughs> exactly. So that's that's pretty much the Gas House Gang. You want to talk about anything specific about them? Uh, not really. I, I had started a story. I haven't finished. It was uh, not back in show number seven or whenever he started <laughs> but, uh, of doing Dizzy Dean, a story on Dizzy Dean, because uh, he likewise, like uh, the lip was a, a, a quote manufacturer. He was a machine. Uh, yeah. And he uh, went up into the booth after his playing days and uh, did, sure did an incredible, I mean, there's so, there's so many stories. My favorite uh, quote ever from uh, Dizzy Dean because uh, is, uh, and I kind of relate it to Ricky Henderson is it's not bragging if you can back it up. That's, that's probably his most famous quote. Yeah. Yep. So, it ain't bragging if you can do it. That's uh, as a Ricky Henderson guy. That's the that's the one yeah. I always fall back on. <laughs> I, I've got a few other great Dizzy Dean quotes. After he uh, took a, a shot to the head, um, he went to the doctor and then he said, uh, somebody asked him about it, and he said, "The doctors X-rayed my head and found nothing." <laughs> so uh, he he was he was uh, about that bragging and being able to back it up. He once said, "Anybody who's ever had the privilege of seeing me play knows that I am the greatest pitcher in the world." <laughs> He wasn't super humble about it, but uh, like you said, he can back it up. Yeah. He said he was blessed with a strong arm and a weak mind. <laughs> wow. He got one of two. I got none. <laughs> I don't have either. But Dizzy would be a great person just to do an entire story on. I mean, I, I touched on him a little bit. Same with Pepper Martin. These guys all have such big personalities. They deserve their own shows. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about each of them and kind of get it out there and, and get this... Uh, this weight off my shoulders of having to do a story on the gas house gang. Did anybody on the gas house gang not have a nickname? Uh, Steve Smith was just known as Steve. No, I don't know. I made that Well, up. his name's Steven. So Steve. Yeah. <laughs> that's a nickname. Okay. Okay. I think they're all nicknamed. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. The gas house gang. How many world series did they win? They won three world series. You just gotta, there's no specific era. But it was around, you know, early 30s. And they won three World Series, the big one, and, of course, 34 against the Detroit Tigers, which went seven whole games and was quite the feisty uh, battle. If they were named after the gas house district or whatever, that is thought to be dirty and mm -hmm. a little bit questionable, what would, like, the early 90s Philadelphia Phillies, what would they be named after? <laughs> um... I don't know. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, I don't really, but like it, teams in the future, they could be named just Lenny Dykstra. And that yeah. would also. How about Skid Row? Oh, that's already a band. Oh, yeah. Sebastian Bach. That's right. <laughs> See, that's another. Somebody needs to use uh, Skid Row as a walk up. You know, 18 Absolutely. in life or. All right. Well, great. Thank you very much. Uh, quick history of the Gas House Gang, St. Louis. Now uh, they don't even need gimmicks like that. They've got Lars Newt Bar. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Although they're All awful. Although the, 
at the time of this recording, I believe they have three more wins than the A's. Ooh. They're bad. Yeah, that rough. yeah, and I had a Newt Bar story that I'm just holding off to use for next week. For better days. Yeah, we had a full, full show already, so... All right, so there you go. Gas House Gang, Mark, uh, that's going to do it for the middle segment of the show. This is like the seventh inning stretch uh, because there's music and um, everybody's getting excited for the end of the show because it is time, uh, well, how we wrap up every show. It's time for Wax Pack Zero. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the Wax Pack Hero! All right, so if you are new here and uh, don't know how Wax Packs Heroes work, we're going to give you the rundown here. We're each going to open up a pack of baseball cards, generally from the 80s and 90s. We're going to take the year of the card. We're going to use the baseball reference war for the player on the card. We're going to add those up and see who has the most at the end. But there's a couple of things that are going to add or subtract some uh, points to that. If there's anything on the uh, player's face, that means a mustache, uh, glasses, uh, good sideburns, get an extra tenth of a point of that. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see their sanitary socks, that's cool. That's an extra tenth of a point. But if they are wearing the two-in-ones, that is a minus a tenth of a point. Any awards won by the player for the... Year of the card. That means Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, or Gold Glove. That's a half a point each of those. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they're the focus of the card or not, that's a whole extra point of war. If Ricky Henderson shows up in either my pack or Mark's pack, I get five points of war regardless. Same thing goes for Mark. If Nolan Ryan shows up in anybody's pack, he gets the five points. If the player was uh, suspended during their playing days or mentioned in the Mitchell report that is a minus a half a point of war. Any easily found pop culture references, that is a half a point for that. Unless they appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Simpsons, or Seinfeld, then you get a whole extra point. Mark, we're also each going to pick a team. And just like Ricky and Nolan, if my team shows up, I get a half a point. If your team, you get a half a point. Who are you going with this week? I think I got to go with the Cardinals. It seems a theme for me today. Okay, now you did go with them two weeks ago. You tried to go with them last week, and I had to tell you this. That's right. But but this week is a reason. Okay, so you're you're not allowed to use the Cardinals for the next 200 shows after okay. this. Okay, okay, let me write this down. Yeah. Oh, you know, the, the, the intern okay, no in the corner is scribbling. Still show yeah. 408, okay. Yeah. Well, no, 412, the 412, 200 shows. Let me change that, 412. Yeah, don't try and All right. 408, you're like, I'll take the Cardinals. No, you won't. <laughs> you can't be doing that. No. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's stay in the state. I'm going to I'm gonna take the uh, Kansas City. I was about to call them the football team, but uh, I'm going to take the Royals. All right. Yeah. It's a, it's a rematch of the 85 World Series right here. Uh, okay. We're going to do uh, no wax packs this week, Mark. I've got a rack pack here. Ooh. Which is, uh, you know what that is? It's a cellophane uh, thing that hangs down, and it's got three different packs of cards in there. Uh, but yes. we're going to just take the, uh, we're just going to take nine. I believe there's 14 in each of these, but we're going to, we're going to make it go a little bit quicker. So Mark, there is a pack on the left and a pack on the right. Which one would you like? I've got to go right this time. All right. Well, see, I'm at a little bit of an advantage because I can see the top and bottom cards here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. We got to lose five cards. You want to lose the top or bottom? 
lose the top. All right, so you're going to lose Cecil Fielder with the Blue Jays. Oh, wait, these are also uh, 88 tops. Uh, Jeff Deadman with the Braves. Don't know who that is. Lloyd McClendon with the Reds. Davey Johnson manager card. Uh, Jose Rijo. Hey, there's my guy. All right. Cool, that wasn't so bad. So uh, you are starting off with the big boy. Oh, well, good news is he's on the Royals, which is my team. Uh, hey. e- even better news is it's Steve Bye Bye Balboni. Ooh, who uh, was not in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but in modern times would probably find himself on the Cooking Network on occasion. Uh, okay, I, I'm. Am I missing a reference of something? Well, I heard he likes. Uh, I heard he likes the clubhouse spread. Oh, <laughs> it looks like he's enjoyed uh, many <laughs> clubhouse spreads. Uh, listed as 225. That might have been on a light day. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Steve Balboni, 11 years in the big leagues, won a World Series in 1985 with the Royals. Uh, let's see. In 1988, these are 1988 tops, by the way. I just don't think I, I think I neglected to mention that. In 88, he split time between the Royals and your Seattle Mariners. Overall, he hit 235, 277 on, wow, 277 on base with a 235 batting average. Ouch. Not good. Uh, 23 home runs, 66 RBI. Uh, shockingly enough, no stolen bases. He was caught once, though. Weird. Uh, I, that had to have been a broken hit and run or, or something. Uh, all this good for a 97 OPS plus, And you are going to start off with a positive 0.1. So for his time in Kansas City that year was a minus 0.9, but his time in Seattle was a 1.0. He also does have a mustache. So that will uh, that'll start you off with a 0.2. Okay, well, I'll take it. Nothing else can help you out there. So you are at a positive 0.2. Todd Burns told me a pretty funny story about Balboni. He accidentally hit him with a curveball and Balboni started mouthing off to him. And Bernsey was like, that was a curveball. Get back in there. I'll show you what it feels like to get hit by a fastball. (laughs) <laughs> pretty pretty ballsy to be uh, lipping Steve Balboni. Well, he can't catch you. Well, I guess that's true. All right, uh, your next card, pitcher for Cleveland, Rich Yet. I was going to say Yeti, but it's just Rich Yet. Rich Yet, okay. As in, Don't no, we one. are not rich yet. Six years in the big leagues. Uh, four with Cleveland, two with Minnesota. He came up and spent his last year with Minnesota, with Cleveland sandwiched in between. 1988 with Cleveland, nine and six with a 4.62 ERA, 134 innings, 71 strikeouts, 89 ERA plus. And that is a war of a positive 1.2 for Rich Yet. Plus, he's got a mustache. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Huh. Yeah, good for Rich Yet. Maybe he had really, really good defense. <laughs> Well, he was traded for a Hall of Famer at one point. He was oh, sent from Minnesota to Cleveland and included with a bunch of other players was Burt Blylevin. Okay, there you go. All right, uh, next, uh, let's see, with the Tigers. Oh, here he is laying down a bunt in spring training. That's a great picture. Uh, Pat Sheridan. Sheridan, I'm sorry. Sheridan, sure. Patrick Arthur Sheridan. Nine years in the big leagues, uh, four with the Royals, two with the Tigers, and then the Giants and the Yankees, one apiece. 1988 with Detroit in 127 games. He hit 254, 339 on base, 11 home runs, 47 RBI, eight stolen bases, a 111 OPS plus. And that's good for a 1.6. Very nice. From Pat Sheridan. Uh, good news for you. He's got real stirrups. He's also got some very nice looking science teacher glasses. 
beautiful. So that'll be an extra two tenths of a point. That'll bring you up to 3.3. Sheridan on that uh, 1985 Royals World Series team. Oh, okay. He actually played quite a bit. It looks like he played in, well, he played in a lot of those games, but did not help with the bat much. Boy, I, I'm looking at the picture of the science teacher glasses. Those are sweet. They are. I mean, the, the, to be science teacher glasses, they have to take up proportionally at least a third of your face. That's right. And uh, these are bordering on half. Yeah, not bad. Uh, Wayne, he grew up in Wayne, Indiana. Didn't we, uh, didn't I make a mistake with Wayne, Indiana or Wayne? Yeah. Some city. It's hard to keep track of all the mistakes. Yeah, we, we, you know, I, I believe there's somebody out there that's keeping track. Yeah, of I believe there is. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we hear you. Them. We hear you. <laughs> we just only have so much time in each of these podcasts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. You are at 3.3. Your next card is uh, pitcher for the Met. I think this guy held the record for most appearances by a lefty at one point. It's Jesse Orozco. Oh, yeah. I think of the Mets. Uh, I definitely do, too. Jesse Orozco played for a lot of teams. He though. did well. He played for twenty four years. So yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it says here, according to this, he still has the record for most games. I'm assuming this is by a pitcher. It just says it's got the gold highlight, but it doesn't uh, in games played with one thousand two hundred fifty two. I have a feeling that's a reliever number. No, uh, actually, I believe his relieving appearances is. He set the all-time record in 99 with 1,051, so he probably did add to it, yeah. He passed Kent to Colby to get that uh, Yeah, when I when I think of a rubber-armed reliever that's out there every day, Kent to Colby, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Comes to mind with his transition science teacher glasses. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I said 24 years in the big leagues for Orozco. Eight with the Mets, five with the Orioles. And then pretty much every other team in the league after that. Uh, let's see. He was a member of the uh, 1986 World Series team with the Mets, as well as the 1988 Dodgers. So, wow. On you. A couple interesting things about him. He was the last player from the 1970s. to. Uh, he was the final player to still be playing baseball. He just outlasted a guy by just a week. You know who that was? Probably Ricky Henderson. You got it. That's right. <laughs> he beat him by a week. He was the last active player. Ricky was the last active position player. Uh, Roscoe was the last active player. He is the only player in Major League history with more than 1,200 games pitched and over 1,000 inherited runners. Wow. I, I saw <laughs> in that uh, in those Spalding guides I was looking at that I talked about earlier from 1922, they didn't say runners inherited. They said runners bequeathed. <laughs> wow, I'm going to start think, using that Yeah, term. I know. We need to bring that back. <laughs> I'm going to bequeath that term upon my lips. Instead of uh, R-I for runners inherited, it's R-B. Yes, runners bequeathed. <laughs> uh, let's see. In 1988, Jesse went 3-2 and two with a 2.72 ERA, 55 games, 9 saves, 53 innings, 43 strikeouts, a 124 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of .9. He does have real stirrups here, yeah. So you'll get a whole point of war there for Jesse Orozco. Uh, all right, let's go from one Mets pitcher to another. Oh, handsome man, Rick Aguilera. Oh, very nice. Now, I think of the Twins when I think of Aguilera. Yeah, yeah definitely. The Twins and the Mets for me. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, let's see, Aguilera, 16 years in the big leagues. He likewise won two World Series rings, just like Orozco, 86 with the Mets and 91 with the Twins. Uh, let's see, 11 years with Minnesota throughout his 16 years, then five with the Mets, then two with the Cubs and one with the Red Sox. In 1988 with the Mets, he went 0-4 with a 6.93 ERA. I like where that's headed. A 47 ERA plus. That's good for a minus 0.8. Ouch. There's nothing on that. I can't see his stirrups. It says here he's eighth in career saves lifetime. Wow. I would have not guessed that. Oh, look at that. I didn't know that. He went to BYU. Oh. So mm. they had a pretty good baseball program in the 80s, I guess, right? They had uh, uh, Vance Law. They had Rick Aguilera, Corey Snyder. I don't know. Did, I don't think, did Wally Joyner go to BYU for a year? I don't remember. Point being, there's a lot of a lot of good '80s names that uh, actually did play at BYU. All right, so uh, we go from a handsome man to um, I mean, everybody's definition of handsome is different. Uh, here is a guy that I would call Grizzly Adams, but uh, his actual name is Bob James. Bob James, not the jazz player. Uh, the Utah Jazz? No. No, no. <laughs> That's the real life. I, said I would. That. I can guarantee you. I know more members uh, that have played uh, basketball for the Utah Jazz than jazz musicians. <laughs> Something very interesting about Bob James. You want to do the stats first? Sure. Let's uh, let's see. Eight years in the big leagues. Well, first of all, he, uh, last appearance in the big leagues was 1987. So you're not going to get any. Uh, help there he does have oh first of all a first round draft pick by the expos in 1976 and traded by the expos to the white Sox for the aforementioned and former guest vance law yeah i was going to mention that too oh yes. there you go but uh, he does have a beard on here so you will get a tenth of a point this is pretty funny in uh, 1982 he was traded to the detroit tigers for a player to be named later and that player to be named later ended up being himself so he was traded back for himself. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. It's it's like he was on loan. Yeah, like the the soccer clubs do throughout the world. It was he was traded for himself. That's pretty interesting. I wonder how many times that's happened. All right, uh, you're down to three cards here. You've got a Mariner. It is uh, well. There's a, a pitcher. Well, no, I guess this is probably the same guy I'm thinking of. Uh, pitcher for the Mariners, Steve Shields. Sure, Steve Shields. Not the hockey player. Uh, nor the jazz magician. No, magician. not a jazz magician. Yeah, a jazz magician is something that I've just made up. Where Totally you... different and very fun. <laughs> well, except, for the, except for the jazz part. Uh, let's see here. I don't want to get, I don't want to start into this like uh, I did with the barbershop quartets. Let's not. Okay, yeah, let's not do that. Get them angry. Uh, let's see. Five years in the big leagues. Uh, different team every year. Good for him. I mean, he got around. 1988 with the Yankees, he went 5-5 five and five with a 4.37 ERA, 82 innings pitched, 55 strikeouts, a 90 ERA plus, and that is a war of 0.0. <laughs> and there's <laughs> nothing on this card that's going to help you out either. Thanks for playing. Yeah. Uh, well, he was traded uh, when uh, you traded by the Royals with uh, Scott Bankhead, whose card we just pulled like two cards before, wasn't it? Bankhead? Yeah. Did How do I have Scott Bankhead on my mind? I, I'm not sure. Where? How? I Okay. That's weird. Like, who <laughs> thinks of Scott Bankhead 
totally at random. Uh, uh, randomly. And then I swear it's one of those things where I swear I just talked about him, but no, I have not talked about him <laughs> at all, I guess. Name any baseball player, any era, any time. Okay, Scott Bankhead. <laughs> So, so he was traded by the Royals with Scott Bankhead and Mike Kingry, who. Oh, my buddy. Yeah. I mean, Mike Kingry, the joke we used to make is if you say his last name quickly, people might think that you're talking about Ken Griffey, Mike Kingry. Mike Kingry. Uh, They were traded to Seattle for Rick Lucan and Danny Tartable. Speaking of Seinfeld. uh, Do I get a Seinfeld reference because he was traded for Tartal? No, no, I'm afraid. No, okay, good. Do not that way. Wouldn't want to win that way. Uh, Good news here. Similarity scores, though, for uh, Steve Shields. Jay Baller right there. Uh, All right. You've got two cards left. You're at 3.6. Not so good so far. Not so good. Uh, Well, we... uh, Okay, now maybe this is why. So here with Cleveland, you've got a very young Jay Bell. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I think what happened is I saw Scott Bankhead's name in a trade that was uh, one of our former players that we were just, you know, pulled up, uh, was involved in. And I just didn't read the trade, but I saw Scott Bankhead. That I know because Jay Bell was also involved in that trade. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm not going completely crazy. But uh, yeah, here is a very young Jay Bell who apparently came up with Cleveland. Yeah, I think of him as a pirate. Absolutely. Pirates and the D-backs are, are yep. the two teams yep. I think of. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, came up three years in Cleveland, 18 years overall. Pittsburgh for eight, Arizona for five, Cleveland for three, and then a couple for one apiece. In 1988 with Cleveland, 73 games, 218 average, 289 on base, two home runs, 21 RBI, 59 OPS plus. Wow, he led the league in 90 and 91 with uh, sacrifice bunts. I like to see that. That's a rarity. Uh, overall, a war of minus 0.7. <laughs> Man, I'm getting destroyed. Nothing on this card is going to help you out either. Is there a mercy rule? Well, here's what here's what I'm going to do. You've got one card left. I know who this card is because uh, I'm staring at it. I'm going to give you the option of not using this card towards your final score. It could be a card that I am looking at right now. It could be a minus one point something, or it could be a plus 7.2. We don't know. Well, I know because I'm looking at it. This is your chance to affect your score. What would you like to do? Yeah, go for it. I want the, I, I do want the final uh, card there. Okay. Well, good. I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> Picture for the Reds, Pat Pasillo, P-A-C-I-L-L-O. I tell you what, if I had bought that pack, I would be really upset. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you here in a minute. Because remember, this is a this is a rack pack, so you can see the top three players on each right pack. And I told you that there was fourteen in each of these, so you had the option of choosing the first five uh, or the last five to get rid of, and you chose the top five, of which included in that top five was Cecil Fielder, uh, Jose Rijo. And uh, Davy Johnson, which wouldn't have gotten you anything. That, well, Davy Johnson would have gotten you the the mustache money, but um, yeah, that's true. Let's see. Pat Pasillo played in the big leagues for two years, both of them with Cincinnati as a pitcher. In 1988, he went one and zero with a 5.06 ERA, ten innings pitched, eleven strikeouts, a 74 <laughs> ERA plus. And a minus 0.2 war. Now, he does have real stirrups on, so that'll only be a minus 0.1. 
He's got a weird glove here. This is during spring training. It looks like they're playing an inner squad game on a backfield or something. But his glove is a, just a, it's an outfielder's glove. It's huge as a pitcher. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, a first round draft pick, fifth overall in the 1984 draft by oh, the wow. Reds. Traded to the Mariners for Jerry Goff. Jerry Goff. Okay. All right. He seems like a Mariners kind of player. Yeah. <laughs> An 80s Mariners pitcher. That's what that's what we got right there. Ah, uh, how about this? Pasillo is best remembered for replacing Pete Rose on the Reds 40-man roster following the 86 season. Wow. Okay. See, there's a place in, in baseball history. Yeah, Rose removed himself from the roster in order to make room for Pasillo. Wow. Yeah, we played on the uh, 84 Olympic team. Wow. Oh, wow. So he was really thought of highly. Yeah, just never panned out as a big leaguer. Interesting. All right. So uh, your final score is 2.8. You're going to beat that with one card. Now, if I, well, <laughs> like I said here, so uh, I am, uh, I'm going to use every advantage <laughs> that I can get because I suck at this game. So uh, I can see the first. You know, the first card, I can actually see the last card, too, uh, in this pack. And uh, because of that, I am going to choose to lose the bottom five cards. (laughs) Okay. Well, I hope there are four Hall of Famers in there for you, man. Well, let's see. The bottom five cards I'm going to leave is is Dave Meads, Chris Bazio. Oh, no. Andre Dawson and Eddie Murray. Uh (laughs) I still think I'll be okay. And and Will Clark. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Wow. Not cool. Wow. It could have been a great, uh, one of the great scores. Uh, so I am losing Will Clark, Eddie Murray, and Andre Dawson. Ouch. Um, 88 for those guys is wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I am not worried seeing, I, I've already looked through this, counting them. This is the greatest pack I've ever opened in my life. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, the reason I took the cards on the bottom is because on the uh, top here that I could see through the cellophane was an all-star Cal Ripken card. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. So I'm thinking that I might win just just with the Ripken. Highly possible. Uh, let's see. 21 years, obviously, in the big leagues for Cal. I'm not going to tell you who he played for, because if you don't know, you better call somebody, uh, as the road dog would say. In 1988, good news, all-star. Uh, only hit 264. 372 on base, though. That's pretty good. 23 home runs, 81 RBI, and uh, wow. 102 walks, 69 strikeouts. That's uh, that's pretty good. Not oh, bad. Yeah, his uh, overall, wait, for his career, uh, 1,129 walks, 1,305 strikeouts. So pretty close there. Uh, a 128 OPS plus led the league with 10 sacrifice flies. And overall, that is going to get me a, a 5.7. He is a Hall of Famer, so that'll be a 6.7. He is an all-star, so that will be a 7.2. Two, and um, yeah, nothing else on this card's gonna help me out. So that'll only be a seven point two, which um, is a lot higher than your two point eight. <laughs> Just a little. Can we call the game? It's a little thing. <laughs> we'll go quickly here, but I'm excited about this pack. I'm here to tell you this could be the greatest pack. This might set an all-time pack high. Uh, next, I have got pitcher for the Bucks, Doug Drabeck. <laughs> Jeez, another good one. Hey, I, I thought uh, we're, we're on Doug Drabeck, but uh, I forgot Cal Ripken's real baseball video game. 
Uh, need to get yep. my extra my extra half a point of war. You're gonna need that. Yeah, I might. I very well might need that. But uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Doug Drabeck, uh, 13 years in the big leagues, six with Pittsburgh, four with Houston, and then a couple of other teams. 1988, he went 15 and seven with a 3.08 ERA for the Bucks that year. 219 innings pitched, 127 strikeouts, a 110 ERA plus, and that is good for a WAR of 2.8. He's got a mustache and he's got real stirrups. So that will be a three point even. So each of your first players beat my total. Yeah. yeah. Drebeck cool. alone beats it. Yeah. Yeah. So here's something interesting. It says uh, he served as a pitching coach for the Amarillo Sod Poodles in 2019. I don't know what a Sod Poodle is, but good for him. Uh, well, let's see. I, I mean, I, I'm familiar with the team name. I don't know what a Sod. Oh, it looks like they're groundhogs. Sod, sod poodle. Poodles. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, today I learned. All right. So we go, we've got Cal Ripken. We've got uh, Doug Drabeck next. Uh, Hall of Famer Wade Box. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, so we've had Wade several times here. Oh, hey, he's on the Simpsons as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Hall of Famer Simpsons. Uh, what about Always Sunny? I mean, he isn't Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I thought he uh, was dead in that one. Well, he is, but he, uh, he comes back as a spirit ghost. Oh, okay. And uh, he's questioned about his uh, dealings with the Duke boys. <laughs> I just, I love it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> What's the quote they use? They use it as, as a quote in uh, Seinfeld. Uh, what a fabric. Finally, we can breathe. <laughs> Cotton is king. Cotton is king. <laughs> uh, let's see. Wade Boggs, 12-time All-Star, 1996 uh, World Series, two-time Gold Glover, eight-time Silver Slugger, five batting titles. Uh, 1987, he was an All-Star that year. Good. Uh, won his fourth batting title in uh, in four years this year as well with the 366 batting average, 476 on base, <laughs> five home runs, 58 RBI, led the league in walks with 125 and a uh, 168 OPS plus, And that will equal an 8.3 war. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer, so that's 9.3. He was an all-star, so that'll be a 9.8. He's got a mustache, a Wade Boggs mustache, uh, so I'm going to have to go with two-tenths of a point there. So that'll be 10, and then he's got real stirrups, so that'll be a 10.1. Plus he is on The Simpsons, so that'll be an 11.1. Uh, did I forget anything else? Um, let's, let's see here. Uh, Wade Boggs was mentioned in a good mythical morning episode. Oh, that's a podcast, and podcasts are for loot. I'm we're yeah, not counting podcasts, those. so yeah, <laughs> podcasts suck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, we've we've gone through enough Wade Boggs stuff in the past. Uh, let's go on next pitcher for the Blue Jays, John Saruti. Well, you might not beat my total score with this one player. Maybe I got a chance to beat this guy. Yes. Well, my total right now after three cards is 21.8. <laughs> so you're going to need some big losses, man. Well, let's see what John Cerruti did. Uh, seven years in the big league, six with Toronto, one with Detroit, 1988 with Toronto, went six and seven with a 3.13 ERA, 123 innings pitched, 65 strikeouts, a 125 ERA plus, and that is good for a war of 1.1. Yeah, I whooped you on that guy. Plus, he's got real stirrups. So that's a 1.2. John Cerruti. He's my, he's my uh, oh, he's a first-round draft pick by the Blue Jays in 91, or in 81 as well. He's my uh, my character guy. He's the leader of this team. 
Absolutely. He's under, you know, he's not the guy that everybody talks about, but uh, he is the glue that holds this, uh, you know, he, he holds this team together, even though, unfortunately, it does look like he passed away in uh, 2004. Yes. He was known for his exemplary character, goodwill, and sportsmanship. See? Yeah. There you go. Good. You were right. All right. Uh, next, we have got a rated rookie. Oh, too bad we don't have the old rules because he's got a, he's, first of all, he's got an Expos batting helmet on. So it's that pinwheel, red, white, and blue, and it's got two ear flaps. Uh, it is a guy we've talked about. His mom played professional baseball. It is Casey Kandale. Kandale. Did I get that right? Yep. That's right. His mom was a professional ball player. Casey Kandel, nine years in the big leagues. Houston for eight, Montreal for three, Cleveland for two. In 1988, he split time between Montreal and Houston. Overall, hit 170, a 228 on base. No home runs, five RBI, a 33 OPS plus. And still only good for a minus .3 war. <laughs> uh, he does have real uh, stirrups on, so that'll only be a minus .2. But Casey Kandel kind of dragging us down. <laughs> yeah, he belonged on my team this time. <laughs> he really did. That's right. He got 37 points from Wade Boggs. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, nicknamed Mighty Might for his aggressive play, despite his diminutive size. Oh, yes. I like diminutive size guys. I'm one. Let's see, what, is, what do they consider diminutive? 5'9". Uh, is that what? Is that it what was 5'9", 160 pounds. All right. Yeah, I'll go. It's got diminutive enough. All right. I'm not 160 pounds, bro. Uh, well, no, I was talking about him. Uh, next, we've got pitcher for Cleveland, Greg Swindell. Oh, man, another good one. Let's see. Greg Swindell played for 17 years in the big league. Seven with Cleveland, four with uh, Arizona and Houston, two with Minnesota, and then one for Boston and Cincinnati. In 1988 for Cleveland, he went 13-6 and six with a 3.37 ERA, 184 innings pitched, 129. And that's the number of strikeouts is what I'm getting at. And a 118 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of 5.9. Oh, uh, he does have real stirrups on as well, so that'll just be an even six. <laughs> Remember when you used to play video games like Atari, and if you 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 scored so much that the the counter reset to zero? Yes, we call that flipping the score. I might do that with this pack. Yeah, we only play up to fifty. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, let's see. Greg was a member of that uh, two thousand and one. Uh, World Series team in Arizona. Oh, yeah. First round draft pick. Oh, second overall in the 86. Yeah, he's uh, apparently in the College Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, let's see. Uh, so he was picked. Jeff King was the first overall. Then it was followed by Matt Williams, Kevin Brown, Kent Merker, Gary Sheffield. I've heard of those guys. Yeah. Those are some. Uh, oh, Hemo was a first round draft pick by, oh, the, by the A's that year. Number 12. All right. So I'm down to three cards left here. Um, oh God. All right, I got a Hall of Famer. Oh, great. Uh, he's a big bonus baby for me here. He is wearing here the number 24 for the uh, New York Yankees. He's got real stirrups on, he's got a mustache, and he's got eye black. And it's not Tino Martinez, it's not Kevin Moss. Other number 24s for the New York Yankees is Ricky Henderson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to sign off. You finish the show. Well, let's see if I can break 50. I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, this has got to be a high score. Uh, of course, Hall of Famer, 
uh, uh, league MVP in 1990, 10-time All-Star, two World Series, one with Oakland, one with Toronto, won a gold glove, couple silver sluggers, and in 1989 was the ALCS MVP. Overall, 25 years in baseball, 14 with Oakland and then other teams, just the rest of the league. Uh, 1988 was his final year in New York. Uh, it was okay. He had 305, 394 on base, I'm sure. Uh, Lou Pinella was still saying he was jaking it. Uh, stole <laughs> 93 bases, six home runs, 50 RBI, 82 walks, only struck out 54 times. That's uh, that's very nice. But, you know, we, we talk about the, the strikeout to walk ratio for his career. Ricky struck out 1694 times. He walked 2190. Impressive. So Very impressive. That is, yeah, that is uh, some good numbers. He was an all-star this year as well. So let's get to the big numbers here. A 6.3 war. Uh, he was an all-star, so that's 6.8. He's a Hall of Famer, so that is 7.8. He is Ricky Henderson, so that is 12.8. Then the stirrups, the eye black, and the mustache will be a 13.1. Uh, let's see. I mean, he was in a Rolaids commercial. Uh, he is in the Pepsi commercials. I, I think we can give him the half a point for pop culture. Absolutely. Uh, there's a rapper named Ricky Henderson. Uh, so I think he is clearly uh, worthy of that. So that will bump my score up to 42.4 with two cards left. We've got, you know, we've had a position player in pitching for the last. Oh, yeah, part. I think I, I think the the bat boy is throwing at this point. Uh, so we'll get through this one quickly uh, here with Atlanta. Ken Oberkfell. Ken Oberkfell, one of those guys that if you grew up a WTBS watcher, you know Ken Oberkfell. Uh, not some great teams he played for, but I'm sure you know about him. Uh, boy, and there is a just a dearth of Ken Oberkfell. Uh, baseball memorabilia for sale on eBay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Member of the uh, Cardinals in 1992 or uh, 1982 when they won the World Series. In uh, his 16 years in baseball, eight with St. Louis, five with Atlanta, and then a bunch of other teams. 1988, he split it between Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Uh, overall, a 271 average, 321 on a base, three home runs, 42 RBI, a 92 OPS plus. And that will be good for a war of minus 0.2, but he has got a mustache and eye black. So it'll be a wash. <laughs> you broke even. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I, I'm looking to set a record here. So my final card. Now, this is hilarious who this is because we have mentioned him in the last two episodes. And I don't think he gets mentioned a whole lot. Uh, okay. Pitcher for the Expos, Jeff Parrott. <laughs> talked about him. That's weird. He pitched for your athletics at Yes, some point. he certainly did. Uh, let's see. Jeff Parrott. Ten years in the big leagues. Three with the Phillies. Three with the Expos. A bunch of other teams, including the Oakland Athletics. In 1988 for Montreal. Wow. 12-4 and four with a 2.65 ERA, 91 innings pitched, 62 strikeouts, a 136 ERA plus, and that is good for a war of 1.6. He's got a mustache, and he's got real stirrups, so that'll be a 1.8. He is not wearing shoes made out of his relative skin, <laughs> which is a plus, I think. Uh, let's see. I don't think you're going to find him in much uh, pop culture. 
No, nothing that I see there. So I will end up with a 44.2. That's a pretty good score, I think. Let's uh, let's crunch the numbers here. 44.2, and you had a 2.8. <laughs> yeah, that was not bad, right? Wow. That, I that think, was a trouncing, uh, an official I, trouncing. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly, I think, the best pack we have ever opened here. Uh, let's see. Just going through it here, I had... Five Hall of Famers, including Doug Drabeck and Will Clark on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to beat that. That's, yeah, that's how you get 44.2. All right, uh, I'll take it. Uh, looking at the big board now, I have doubled your score. I'm up four to two, which I think is what happened last year. And then you. <laughs> well, you know, I got to get the team together. We're not to. Uh... We're not on the same page. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there needs. Uh, speaking of spreads, you definitely need to turn a table over. Uh, oh yeah, one. we're gonna have a team meeting. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of Wax Packs Heroes. That's also going to wrap up this uh, whole darn podcast. So uh, thank you for listening once again. If you want to get more of us uh, at Two Strike Noise, T W O Strike Noise about anywhere just put it into a search engine and it'll pull up a whole bunch of stuff uh, for you including possibly a gmail email address yes well you do have one of those i believe it is two strike noise at gmail.com short short and short and sweet all right that'll do it for this uh, episode thank you all again we will see you again next time when we uh kick out another one of these episodes that uh, we call Do Strike Noise. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.